good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. You are in the right place. For all of you visitors, we have a book we want to give to you right after the service. Uh, they'll be back in the bookstore, but make the best of the rest. How many of you realize you got a lot of life yet to live? Can I see your hands? And not every hand is up. Let's put all of our hands up. Let's all say, I have a lot of life to live. Some of us maybe are older than others, but that doesn't mean anything. It just means you have more wisdom, perhaps, and you're ready to accelerate and put the pedal to the metal and accomplish what God has for you. I want to ask you this question. How many of you, from time to time, I feel like the Lord dropped this message in my heart quickly. I love it when he does that. But how many of you kind of see yourself, sense yourself doing something different, moving out beyond where you are, getting out of that boat of comfort, uh, only to shut it down quickly because of you don't know what to do. Can I see your hands if I've just described you? In the comfort zone of a comfort boat can become very comfortable. And you don't really need God to get through the day if you've got enough money or if you've got a good enough job you can do it on your own but sometimes you can wake up and how many of you are old enough to remember the old Peggy Lee song is that all there is then let's just keep on dancing in other words is that all there is to life and I believe that God has great things in store for all of us if we'll plug in to what he has get out of our understanding, get out of the boat, and start to pursue what he's shown us. Some of it I've chronicled in the book, but in my life, as I look back at the things that God has done, I become more and more inspired to step out again because of what I've seen in the past. But if I don't keep my eyes, because a lot of times people say, just look, to the far, just look forward, don't look to the past. And you might say, well, I've got some defeats in my past. That's all I said. We all have. But you've got nothing but victory in your past. You've got victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. You just don't realize how phenomenal it has been. And if you look back at it and you say, well, if it was like that in the past, and if it was like that in the recent past, and if it was like that in the far past, why would it not change and be just like that in the future? And it would be because God will take care of it. And we're going to talk about that tonight because you have been created by Almighty God for good works. Let's all say, I have been created by Almighty God for good works. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we embrace you. We thank you that when we live the word and when we embrace the power of your spirit, victory is always, always on the horizon. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, let's make our confession. <laughs> we are going to give the Lord a hand. We can always give the Lord a hand. Let's make our confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. 
Okay, and the oldie but the goodie. We're going to take a survey tonight. I may feel like the oldie but the goodie. Okay, let's say, I am here. Well, no, sir. <laughs> the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Okay, how many of you, the oldie but the goldie is your favorite? Can I see your hand? I can tell I've lost already. How many of you like the new one as your favorite? Yep, I lost. We're going to forget this survey because Pam's not here anyway. You can be seated. Good to have all of you in, in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be reading there about becoming his workmanship. And by the way, if any of you would like to be involved, to be blessed, uh, we uh, have some great opportunities for van drivers, uh, PowerPoint back there to put up the stuff for the service, and even people that know what they're doing on the sound system. Uh, maybe if you don't even know what you're doing, we may give you a try just to see if you can learn. But uh, we have opportunities for all of you there. If you want, you can see Sandy Marshall, and she can get you to the right person. But, <clears throat> but we're going to be looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and uh, talking about that how we have been created for good works. Let's say it, say it one more time. I have been created, have been created by, almighty God by Almighty God for good works. For good works. <clears throat> and if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I'll just paraphrase it for you, getting up to the verse we're going to talk about. It talks about how really bad we were before we found Jesus. We were living in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, the pride of life, and uh, it really articulates all of those things and that we didn't really do anything to change it other than we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we became a new creation and that it's not anything that we did. It wasn't our work. It was what he did on Calvary and that's what made the change. And when you study Ephesians chapter 2, then it leads you up to the scripture that we're going to use tonight for the foundation. It says in verse number 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has a plan for us to walk in the fullness of what he has and that there would be good works and that everything that we would do would glorify God and that we would give our life to him and that we would come out of where we were to where God wanted us to go. And I remember that when I first got saved, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but everything that I had been doing had lost its favor and flavor in my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can I see your hands? It's like the, the same old things just don't look right. And it's good to see you tonight. How are you? I'm glad you're here. And, and so what happens is we, we, God is preparing our heart to take us where he wants us to go. And, and if we'll follow and if we'll plug into that, then a whole new dimension of life comes in. But if we're not, we, we can be like that proverbial, uh, I think it's the elephant that when he's in, uh, there's an old story that goes around that when an elephant's a baby, they just put a kind of a rope around his leg and, and it holds him in, in place. Then the old circuses that will come to town and then as the elephant grows and becomes big, that initial training holds it in place and it, it could break easy away from what's holding it. But, but because it was trained that way and, and kind of held in that position, it never really breaks out to be what, what it was, could do because of its weight and its size. And you and I are ordained by God once we're born again to do great and mighty exploits for him, and that we are his workmanship. 
We belong to him now. So he's going to prepare the way and take care of everything. And that's what we're going to talk to uh, about tonight. But when I first got saved, I thank God for First Assembly of God. Everybody said the pastor loves First Assembly of God. I know they have a different name now. What is their name? River? River, yeah. But, but Charles Hackett, uh, I just love Charles Hackett. He, he, he was an early mentor in my life for a very short season, but an early mentor. But, but when I got saved in his office, uh, I, I knew something happened, and I knew that, wow, everything is really different. But then I sat down and listened to a church doctrine that divorced people could never be used in ministry. And it wasn't that that's all you heard out there. You heard about God's love and all. So it wasn't that was the only thing. But the reason I bring that up is because I was feeling something about ministry in my life and something that God was leading me in that direction. But then I was told that because I'd been divorced, I could never be that. You can be anything God wants you to be. Turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't matter what you've done. And tell them, and you've done a lot. God has never changed his mind about your life. So what would happen to me, I would start to see things over here, bits and glimpses, and then I'd hear that, oh, no, you can't do that. Well, I respected Pastor Hackett, and I respected First Assembly of God, so I was tying myself to that elephant tent peg that I can't do what I'm starting to feel myself wanting to do. Does it make sense so far? To, turn to your neighbor and tell them, so far I'm with them. Okay, and, and so it, it started to make sense to me that I couldn't be hearing right because they said I can't do what I'm starting to feel. Only did I find out later on with Pastor Hackett, he never agreed with that policy of doctrinal belief anyway. He said, Bill, that had nothing to do with being divorced. It had to do with polygamy. Uh, had to do with having more than one wife. I can't imagine anybody being in a ministry wanting more than one wife. But anyway, that's a whole other segment. Now, the Word of God in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this, because you and I are on an assignment from God. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says that, that this is the golden rule, that you and I should treat others as we ourselves would want to be treated. Well, everything that we do on an assignment from God is to reach out with other people and to love them when they get knocked down. If you got knocked down, what do you want? You want somebody to help you up. If, if you made a mistake and did something, you want somebody to help you through that mistake. So James Cash Penny built an entire empire uh, of, of the James Cash Penny, J.C. Penny Company by that doctrine. That was the foundation for the J.C. Penny Company. Always live by the golden rule and make sure everything that we're doing. As a matter of fact, the first store that he ever started in Kimmer, Wyoming, was called the Golden Rule, and the J.C. Penney Company came out of that. They put God first in everything that they did. They had a markup plan where the markup would only be a certain thing that would be good for the consumer because the consumer is our primary concern as to how much they pay for the product, not how much, product, how much profit we make. Everybody say, wouldn't that be a great idea? Yeah. Wasn't based on the profit. It was based on what was best for the consumer. James C. J. C. Penney had a policy that the, 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 the penny stores would never be open on Sunday. And this is a direct quote from him. Over my dead body, 
will the J.C. Penney stores ever be open on Sunday? The year he died, stores went open on Sunday. He was a prophet. They opened the stores on Sunday once he died. The reason I say that to you is because he had a vision from God. He was a very poor young man who started a business. Uh, he started a, a food distribution store out in Kimmer, Wyoming. And the first contact that he had was the contact that he found out after he bought the business from this previous owner. The guy said, where's my fifth of whiskey? And he said, what do you mean your fifth of whiskey? And he said, the owner always would bring me a fifth of whiskey with the order that I would get from him. And he said, I don't believe in drinking and I don't do that. He had to have that account. Everybody say he had to have that account. Because this is going to hit close to home. He had to have that account to be profitable to make his business go. If he lost that account, he would not make it and he would go bankrupt. He had a decision to make. Am I going to do what God is showing me to do by his word and by his spirit, or am I going to succumb to the world system and become profitable? All of us have that ability and that decision that we have to make at one time or another. He decided that he was going to stand on his principles and that God would take care of him. He went bankrupt. First business he had, he went bankrupt. But he gave all the glory to God that he did not compromise his value and out of that came the J.C. Penney Company that at one time was the largest retailer in the world. He gave all the glory to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's got a plan for you. You may not start the biggest company in the world, but you may also. You may not have everything that you think that you want to have, but you have a plan and a purpose for your life that God is waiting to slide you into. And you may say, well, wait a minute, I've been divorced. I've done bad things. I've done this. I've done that. Let me see the hands of all the people. You've done bad things. Everybody say it. We are in good company. We are in good company because what that means is you qualify under Romans 829, uh, excuse me, 828, that God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So let's all say, I love God. I'm called according to his purpose. Therefore, everything I have experienced in my life is going to strengthen me and prepare me for the future. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> so now, what we have, Sandy, do you have a cough drop? <clears throat> Anybody have a cough drop? Uh, so now, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we're going to look at what these good works are going to be and how we're going to implement them in our life. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Thank you. It says, oh, a whole bunch. What? Glory to God. Are these, these are breath savers. Are these cough drops? Doesn't matter. Beggars are not supposed to be choosers. They're just supposed to take, right? <clears throat> Uh-oh, what have I got? This is a real cough drop. This tastes like candy. <laughs> okay. Now, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, this is what we found in this founding scripture for this church. How Jesus came... The anointing of God being upon his life, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what we're about to read is you don't have to look too far to find out what your assignment is. 
because you're going to find your assignment on every street corner in every city and every place in America. <clears throat> it doesn't mean you're going to be a minister. It doesn't mean you're going to be one of fivefold gifts. It just means that whatever God has for you to do, God is going to anoint you to help these people. When I think about people that have come out of their boat, I think about the Green family and, uh, and Hobby Lobby, and they're, they are absolutely impacting the world, but definitely America. When I think about Truett Cathy and the vision he had uh, to have a restaurant that would glorify God, and he's still doing that today even though he's in heaven and his son is taking it on, and that they, they, their whole life is about helping people, helping take care of people. When you're all about helping people and helping the brokenhearted and helping the poor and helping those that are captive, you get God's attention. You know, I, I'm not saying that you don't get God's attention by saying, I want a big house, I want a big car, uh, I want a nice lawn, I want all sorts of fancy clothes, I want all this kind of stuff. I read the other day where it was actually a big article in the, uh, Charisma magazine about how be careful in the body of Christ, you're not looking for the affluency of the world. And the whole article was about a, a pastor that had a $4,500 pair of tennis shoes. I can't even imagine having a $4,500 pair of tennis shoes. I'd be afraid to wear them out in the weather. But uh, anyway, he was wearing $4,500 tennis shoes. Maybe it increased the anointing. I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway, it's not that we're using the Word of God that to get things. The things will come after we do what he's called us to do. God will take care of everything you ever want. But if you're all about people, put that back up there in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, if you would, please. Because if you're all about people, he anointed me. Everybody say anointed. anointed. There is an anointing that God has for you if you're about helping people, touching people, and going, coming after hurting people. Uh, to set the captives free, to uh, preach the gospel to the poor, sent us to heal the brokenhearted. You, you all heard this story before, but I want to plant this seed in you. It, it's, you know, it sounds like I'm talking about myself, and I am because it's my experience. But I was driving down the street the other day, and somebody had blessed me with some money. And uh, I like to be blessed with money. Glory to God. So turn to your neighbor and say, the pastor likes to be blessed with money. How many of you like to be blessed with money? Pam and I made a decision years ago that the money that God is blessing us with is seed. I love it. I love it. It was hard at first. I, I really am telling you, it was hard at first to have $50, $50, $100, things like this. I've heard other people give similar type stories. But this particular day, I had two $50 bills in my pocket. It just felt good. And as I was driving down the street, I think I shared this story a couple of weeks ago, but I saw this family coming down the street. And I looked at them, and I could tell that, you know, financially they were probably hurting. And, uh, and w when I drove by them and, and looked at them, this is instantly what I heard. Everybody say instantly. instantly. Now, how many of you know what I'm talking about when God speaks to you, but he doesn't speak to you in big, long paragraphs? Oh, child of mine, this is what I would really like for you to do if you have the time, and I'd like for it. No, it's just a whoosh, like that. For me, how many of you know what I'm talking about, and it's like that for you? Whoosh, like that, and it's gone. And you got a second to do it, or you're going to miss it. And uh, instantly, as I drove by, uh, uh, I heard, uh, give them your money. I thought, two $50 bills? And I drove by, and I drove on to the next block, contemplating what he said. 
taking a little bit too long, really. But finally, I did a U-turn, and I came back. And when I got out of the car, and when I planted that seed, I want to tell you, their face was priceless, but my attitude was absolutely on fire with love for God. Not because of what I did, but because of what he did for me, that he gave me that ability to carry that seed, to be able to plant that seed. You can be so focused upon your need that you don't consciously do it, but you eat your seed. In other words, you just keep it. You know, you don't eat your $100, but you know what I'm talking about. You just stick it down there and you keep it. Well, I'll use it for a rainy day. You don't need it for a rainy day. You don't plant seed in the rain, usually. You plant seed in good ground, and the good ground is wherever God tells you to plant the seed. So we have the seed coming to us as a perpetual flow from God if you let it flow through you. If he can, I heard this years ago, it's not original with me, but if God can get it through you, he can certainly get it to you. So we are all about planting seed. Tell your neighbor, I'm all about planting seed. Now, now I want to show you in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, they're basically the same. Ephesians 5.1 says that you and I are to be imitators of God as dear little children. In other words, we are about doing whatever God has called us to do. Ephesians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 is uh, Paul <clears throat> saying, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Jesus. So in other words, we are called to be imitators of God as dear little children on an assignment from God. You all know the story about the Sudan you know what's going on there. Uh, you know that Stanley is in Aurora right now. Uh, we're having some problems with the United Nations, but God is in control. Everything is going to be okay over there, and we're going to be bringing them back, hopefully in January, hopefully make a trip over there in October. And uh, then we have a contact that has opened up from a businessman in Indianapolis to have a former ambassador to the United Nations, who is a friend of his, who's going to help us with some things in the Sudan. And we're watching doors open. How many of you like to see doors open that you had nothing to do with and that God opened those doors? And, and it's just like supernatural. But what happens is we have to begin to take the first step. Now, I want to be very honest with you in, in, in what I'm about to say. I like comfort. I like the boat of comfort. It feels good. I like to go home and lay in my hammock and look at the sky and not think of anything. Uh, I like peace of mind that just doesn't have anything to think about. How many of you are with me so far? I just, just like just being, ah, this is really good. But I found with God, there's always something else. There's always another step. There's always a step of faith. And uh, when, when we were doing really well, in the Sudan and still are over there with the, with the dreamland and we're coming up with some refurbishing that's going to have to be done. We're looking at about $50,000 and maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, I, I know God's got the money, but I always liked it when we had the money. Uh, I, I, I prefer, we, we got $50,000, we'd take it right out of the checking account. Uh, you know, the checking account doesn't have an extra $50,000 right now. So we're looking at that. And then as we prayed, God began to speak to me about what to do with Victory World Outreach that runs side by side with Victory Christian Center. 
and is showing me the vision that we're going to begin to start planting orphanages around the world. Uh, next one is going to be possibly in Boer, South Sudan, uh, then the Nuba Mountains in South Sudan, and then we're looking at some other African locations over there. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, and so each one, it looks like, as uh, just a, as a blanket figure, uh, about $50,000 for 50 children to start with. Uh, so that's 50,000 and 50,000 is 100,000, 150,000, and all of a sudden laying in a hammock just doing nothing, looking at the clouds go by, seems to be dissipating uh, very quickly. But there's 150,000, and if there's another 50,000 for the Sudan, that's $200,000. And then all of a sudden I hear this as I'm starting to think about how I'm going to do it. It's like it's not your vision, you aren't going to do it. I'm going to do it. Haven't I always taken care of you in the past? And then I started looking back. Some of it is in the book. I started looking back at, at what God has done each step of the way as we were involved with his children. If you want to get God's attention, certainly help any people. But if you really want to get his attention, you start reaching out and taking care of children. Because God loves the children of the world. God loves everybody in the world, but he loves the children of the world. And if we're about business with God, God will take care of you. I ask you this, what is God speaking to you to do beyond what you're doing right now? I hear people every once in a while say, well, I think God told me to do this, but I'm not sure about this or I'm not sure about that. If God has put something in your spirit, He's going to take care of all of the rest of it, and he's going to show you how to do it. But the first thing you have to do is begin to move forward with what he's called you to do. When God first spoke to us about the Sudan, and I heard the word, I want you to go to the Sudan, and it was like, okay, God, I'll go. And then I had to get out my globe because I didn't know where the Sudan was. It was I knew it was in Africa, but I didn't know where it was. And since that time, we've watched the hand of God move over there, and we've watched God take care of everything. How many of you, when you, your hindsight, when you look behind you, how many of you realize that God has met you every step of the way? He's taken care of you. Even when you made a mistake, he was there for you when you got your heart right. I don't, and I don't mean making a mistake It means your heart wasn't right. I've made a lot of mistakes, and my heart was right. I thought it was the right thing to do, but I found out after I did it, it was the wrong thing to do. And I found out I should have waited a second longer or I should have checked one more time with God before I did it because it ended up being the wrong thing. When you understand that, it will absolutely change everything about, about what you do. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for your life, plans for good, not for evil, and that I'm going to take care of you. Those plans means the intention that God has. See, right now, some of the things that happen in your life, I had a business that I was trying to salvage here in Lafayette and one down in Peru, uh, 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 Terre Haute, when, when Pam and I came together. And I was doing everything I could to make that business go, or at least everything I thought I could. And then I found out hindsight, everybody say hindsight, hindsight. is 2020. I found out God didn't want me to have the business. I was trying to save something that was going down the tubes that God was trying to rescue me from. Have you ever been there? He was trying to set me free from that. And all of a sudden now I'm trying to hold on to something he's trying to set me free from. When you let go of what you need to let go of and get out of that boat of comfort and get out there and then realize, God, what are we going to do next? And then God will show you and he'll take care of every need. It's through the hard times, through the 10-cent burgers at 
Burger King. You all know what I'm talking about. It's through those hard times that you really grow. When you look back and say, wow, I watched you come through with $100. I watched you come through with $50. I watched you come through. This happened just the other day when I was preparing to write the book, uh, or when I was writing the book. And, uh, and I said, God, we'd gone from the 12,000 to the 50,000 to the 100,000, which we missed by 30,000 uh, up to. And I said, God, I'd just love to have a million dollars for those children over there. And this is what I heard in my spirit. You have it. You've already had it. And I said, I don't understand. And I said, I've already supplied it. And that's when we went through the budget from the very beginning and up to the present. It was over a million dollars had been invested in the nation of the South Sudan. I believe that got God's attention. I believe God is watching. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God is watching what I've shown you. And what happens is God begins to show you something. And then it's, okay, now, God, what are we going to do? What do you want me to do next? But instead of getting out of that boat of comfort, you start to think, well, now, I, how would I do this? How can I do this? All you got to do is sit down and say, God, what do you want me to do next? How do you want me to do it? And what he has begun in you, he will show you how to do it. The story that really impresses me, see, God will meet you every step of the way. Everybody say, God will meet me, will meet me. every step of the way. And, and, and what really helped change my life for what we're about to do with Victory World Outreach is uh, I'll never forget the, the story of the Land Cruiser and, and how if you'll instantly obey what you're feeling in your spirit, then you'll instantly have the blessing of God flowing. It's like you'll open this spigot. I'm going to talk about that in just, for, uh, just a moment. But we had just uh, evacuated 135 children, uh, 25 more children with the staff. That's 160 children, uh, 20 workers. That's 100, about 180 people evacuated from the South Sudan to meet at an ungodly-looking border uh, with Feed the Hungry waiting with rice packets and water. It happened almost instantly. We called Feed the Hungry. They said, we'll have rice packets waiting. Brad and I flew over. Everything was taken care of. The children were coming in. They had no place to stay. We go to the United Nations refugee camp. We don't have anything. Brad and I went over with, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars, maybe $3,000 is about all we had. And, and, and it, it looked like mass chaos, but it was not mass chaos because God is in the, on the scene. Tell your neighbor, God is with you right now. And don't focus on your need as, as far as you individually. Focus on, God, what do you have for me to do with the rest of my life? And when we were over there, we realized they're going to be landlocked. We're out in the middle of nowhere in a bush area, and this is the area they're going to have right here, and they're going to have to put up their own UN tarps over wood trees that they're cutting down, and it, it's just an unbelievably uh, horrible situation. And all I could think of was, I know God was showing me. God was putting it in my heart. All I could think of was they're going to be landlocked. They're going to be landlocked, and they're not going to be able to get anywhere, go anyplace, unless they have a vehicle. And that's when instantly in my spirit I heard Land Cruiser. And I know most of you heard this story, but it's actually changed my life. Land Cruiser. And I said, Stanley, we've got to find a Land Cruiser. And he said, well, we're going to find a Land Cruiser. And I said, I don't know, but they got one somewhere. He started looking, and they found a Land Cruiser. And they brought the Land Cruiser to it. Remember the first Land Cruiser? Brad, when the first one came in, it, it, it didn't look too good. But the people that had it 
looked worse than the Land Cruiser. Uh, they looked like you'd have to cut, count your fingers when you got done dealing with them. And uh, so we said, we're only part of that Land Cruiser. And then we upgraded, and then they show up with a $15,000 Land Cruiser. And uh, it belonged to a general from the South Sudan Army. How it got to Uganda, we have no idea. We're not going to ask any questions. Is there a title that we can register in Uganda? And they had the title. And so we went ahead and we told them that we, we would buy the Land Cruiser for $15,000. The only problem was we didn't have the Land Cruiser. Turn to you and never tell them, God's got a lot of money. And sometimes what happens to many of us is we lock up over finances because we don't do what we know God is showing us to do because we don't have the money. We're thinking about how we're going to pay for what God wants to do. God pays for what he wants to do. God writes a big check. Tell them that God will write a big check. And you know the story how we made a commitment to buy the thing. We didn't have the money. Brad and I were talking about it. And I remember hearing this in my spirit. You passed a Barclay Bank. And we went into this Barclay Bank. Now, this is, this is for you in where you are right now. God has a Barclay Bank for you. Tell your neighbor, God's got a Barclay Bank for you. Barclay Bank, Aurora, South Sudan, or Aurora, Uganda. And when we go into this bank, I had the driver pull up and say, pull up here. We're going to go into you got this Barclay Bank. And he said, what are we going to do there? I said, we're going to get money. We're going to get $15,000. I went up to this little teller and said, I need $15,000. Brad with me, Stanley with me, the driver with me. And the teller said, you have an account here? I said, no, I don't. <laughs> it's like a, it was like a trailer. On the, it, it was, it was, it's hard to describe a rural Uganda. But it's like, I, I, I need $15,000. So you have an account here? So we can't get any money if you don't have an account. That's why I got a credit card. He says, well, you get $3,000 on a credit card. And I says, okay, I need more than that. I need more than that. You need, who do I talk to? Where's your boss? She went back in the back, and she came back out and said, that's all you can have. And I said, how many of you ever opened your mouth and said something without thinking? Okay. If it's God you're okay. If it's not God, you'll learn the next time. But I remember saying, I want a mission from God, and I need $5,000, or need $15,000. She left again, came back, and she said, you can have $5,000 on a card. I said, okay. I, well, actually, I thought a minute. I said, okay. I have three cards, $15,000. She looks at them. She said, okay. First card, went through, 5,000. Second card, went through, 5,000. Third card, declined. <laughs> God. I hadn't told him I was going out of the country. Why the other two went through, I don't know, but the third one was declined. Brad gave me his credit card. I said, Brad, I need $5,000. Give me his credit card, put it through. I decline. Need a PIN number. And I'm thinking, we've come too far to stop now. Everybody say, I've come too far to stop now. And I said, Brad, what is your PIN number? He said, I don't know. I said, you have to know. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And he said, if I have one, it has to be this. I said, give it to her. Gave it to her. Took care of it. $15,000 coming through those automatic machines, sitting right there. And we had the money at that moment. When I look back on that right now, God had that all orchestrated. He had every step ready to go so that those children would be able to be taken care of. 
That Land Cruiser was used constantly to get to market and feed the children and other children. That Land Cruiser was constantly used to help get medical supplies and take them for medicine. Unfortunately, for one of the situations when the girl died, it was used as a hearse to take her for her burial uh, for one of the leaders there with us. And uh, when I think about that Land Cruiser, my, my faith gets so excited because it's not $15,000. It could be $15 million, and God will take care of it. God will take care of whatever need we have as long as we're moving forth to do what he's called us to do. He's not looking for us to sit at home and say, I want to pay off my mortgage. Nothing wrong with that. He's not looking for us to say, I want a, I want a second car. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what he's into. He's, not, he's looking for people that want to go out there and change people's lives. And when you're dealing with children, and that's why when I bring this up to you about moving into other areas with orphanages, God is getting ready to move you if you'll let him. He wants to move you. Now, <clears throat> don't ever be concerned with money. And we're going to be talking about what really God has given us to be able to release his supply. In John chapter 14, verses 12 uh, through 14, it says, Greater works will you do, than I did because I go to be with the Father, and that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's just say it. If I ask anything in his name, he will do it. John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Can you imagine this conversation going on in heaven right now? God is up there. And, and, and he's sitting on, he's on the throne, and Jesus is at his right hand. And all of a sudden, they're hearing this conversation going on. And this conversation is, Bill, Bill and Brad need $15,000. They're in Aurora, Uganda. What are they doing down there? Well, they're taking care of a bunch of orphans, and they need a land cruiser. They need a land cruiser. What for? Now, I know theologians are going to say, God knows everything. That's not the way the conversation goes. But let me ask you this question. Do we put a demand on God to get what he has for us, or do we just sit back and wait for him to supernaturally do it, or do we really plug in and put a demand on him? I believe that God has given us the key to obtain everything that we have need of if we're doing what he's called us to do. And in John chapter 15, verse 7, it says again, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, if, you, uh, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you ask whatever you will and it should be done. Here is my Father glorified. Whatever it is you have need of, I'm going to give to you. And then it goes on in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says that this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything in his name, he hears us, and he will deliver to us what he has for us. So that word ask is predominant. James chapter 2 says, you have not because you ask not. You ask, you don't have because you ask amiss. In other words, it's basically saying your asking is part of the problem. You don't have because you don't ask. If you ask, you're going to have. But sometimes you ask and you ask for the wrong thing because you don't know what you're asking for and therefore you're not going to have it. But the word ask is powerful. Everybody said the word ask is powerful. I could have taken that girl at her own at her, at her uh, statement to me, it's not going to work. I remember the first golf tournament we had. How many of you have ever been rejected on something you want to do? i tell you one of the best ways to attract rejection, tell somebody what God's shown you to do. Oh, poor child. I tried that. It just didn't work. 
first putt-putt golf tournament. The guy says, yeah, you can have the golf tournaments in the book there. Uh, it, uh, how much are you going to raise? $12,000. Oh, poor man, you can't do that. No, we never raise $12,000 here. He's a good man. He just wanted not, not let us be disappointed. Everybody say this, would you please? There is nothing wrong, is nothing wrong. With, being with being disappointed. Get over it and learn from it. Glory to God. We have an epidemic in this country. Nobody wants to be disappointed. That's why everybody's in the boat of comfort and it's about to sink. We need to get out of the boat and do what God's shown us to do. So then you go on. And you look at the rest of these. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 verse uh, through 24. Uh, Jesus said, uh, have faith in God, speak to the mountain, be removed, and, and, and believe with what you say, and you'll have whatever it is that you say. In other words, our word of what we say and what we ask. Everybody say ask. ask. Let's look at the word ask because this is so important. I've learned this. I've learned this especially in the Sudan. To ask is to request, it is a petition, it is to make a demand, and the act of requiring. Now, this is in the Greek. In other words, this is what it means when Jesus uses that word, to ask. Leave it up there, if you would, please. To request, to petition, to make a demand, the act of requiring. I've been watering my grass pretty regularly. Some of you might have been, too. When I go in and turn on that little spigot for that water flow, I have nothing to do with the power of that water flowing. But it wouldn't be flowing if I didn't turn it on. And what I'm doing is I'm asking by action to turn on that water. And when I turn that water on, all of the mechanisms that I have no understanding of whatsoever go into play, and I got water flowing. But it wouldn't be flowing if I didn't do it. Does that make sense to you? Some of you are not shaking your head. Shake your neighbor's head. Uh, <laughs> it, it, does that make sense to you? In other words, now look, how much power and authority do you have? They can't flow that water. The water company has more power, authority, and dominion over their mechanisms than I do. But they can't flow it into my venue unless I do it. I have total power and authority and dominion as to whether or not the water will flow. If I want it to flow, it'll flow. If I want it to stop, it'll stop. It's like asking. I'm asking right now, God, how are we going to do this? And if you understand that asking is not saying to God, I demand God you do this and do it right now. No, it's taking something from the supply department that you have need of that is already yours. If you ever understand how the military operates, you have a supply department and you get your orders and your orders will require certain provisions. You go to the supply department with your orders and you make a demand from the supply sergeant. You better not make them mad. You're not going to get anything. Matter of fact, everybody wanted a supply sergeant as a friend. You want a beer? Yes, sir. I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> and, 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 and you know that that's where your source is coming from. Our source is Almighty God, but he has put us in charge to be able to tap into that source to get that flow. Money is never an obstacle with God. Let's just say that money is never an obstacle. 
with God. Now, let's look at what it says right here, because atio, to ask, to request, to petition, to make a demand, the act of requiring. It's the same thing with anything else that we have. Our asking, we sometimes miss out on the challenge that presents itself of when we, in our natural mind, start to describe everything that's going wrong. In other words, oh, this is going wrong, and that's going wrong, and that's going I believe God just wants to say, no, 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 don't tell me all of that. What are you asking me to do? Everybody say, what am I asking God? to do. That's what the scripture tells us. What are you asking God to do? God, I'm asking you to take care of this because you showed me to do it. God, I'm asking you to take care of showing me how to get to the Nuba Mountains and where the orphanage is supposed to do because you already orchestrated this to be done. God, I'm asking, I know you want me to come out of the boat. Now, what am I going to do with the next part of my life? God, this just ended. This just began. Now, what am I going to do? This just happened to me, God, but I know you're going to take care of it. I know you're going to take care of the finances, so I'm asking you, I need this much money, God. And sometimes we don't even ask God for the exact amount that we need. This happened several years ago. I had made a commitment with Purdue University <clears throat> Brad, I was going to ask you to share. Brad was over there at that bank with me. I talked to Brad today, and I said, Brad, Brad, I never asked from your perspective what it was like to stand there all alone, uh, and, uh, and, and you, you shared with me today. Go ahead, what you just shared about your life. I thought I'd missed the bullet on this. <laughs> um, well, you always know that in your heart that God's not going to ask you to do something if he doesn't give you the resources to do it. And whenever God asks you to do something, it's going to be a step in faith. And there's going to be opposition. There's always opposition because that's what faith is. Um, and here we are standing in a bank, two white guys, hearing no. No. Um, and, of course, we're praying, but at the same time, we're on a mission from God. God said, do this. And I really don't think I doubted whatsoever that it wasn't going to get done. It was a experience to see God move. Okay? Um, because God will not ask you to do something that he does not provide the resources to do. And God never lets us down. Never in, in my whole life, God has never one time not showed up and did what he said he was going to do. Now, what did you tell me that happened as a result of that, though, in your life right Today, now? Today, I always reflect back on watching him Deny to take no for an answer. He was not going to be denied. Okay? And I watched him demonstrate how God will function if you refuse to be denied. And I lean on that all the time. And, of course, that's an experience that I was able to, to watch and learn from and God has never, you know, and it's been part of who I am today. Give Brad a hand because <clears throat> he was over there as astounded as I was. 
this is going to sound like a redundant statement, but I don't know how much faith is needed to be obedient to do what you know to do when something inside you says, I have no idea how this is going to work. Does that make sense? I knew one of two things. We were going to walk out with the money, we are going to walk out without the money, but we are going to stand there until they threw us out. And that tenacious faith is what you need to come out of where you are right now. For all those hands that I saw earlier, when you said, this, uh, you know, I feel like God is showing me the things I'm supposed to do. Don't wait until you can figure it all out. Don't wait until you have everything lined up. Don't wait until everything is one, two, three, four. God is showing you what step to take right now to make a commitment. The step for the Sudan began, will you go? Yes. Now, where's the Sudan? The step for you is the step to take because you've got the rest of your life and you've got people waiting on you that are going to be there for you and that all of the provision that God has will be there for you. The two scriptures that have really impacted my life throughout this entire thing that God has shown me, and that is, you, you know them and you know them well, Philippians 4.13 and Philippians 4.19. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I may miss it here, but I'll recover because God is going to take care of me. No matter what it is that he's called me to do, I know he said I can do it. And I know in Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I made a commitment with Purdue University to take a group over there a few years ago and, and, and meet with the government. And they met with the government and they came away with a memorandum of understanding that they were going to build agricultural centers, five agricultural centers in the South Sudan. We still have the memorandum of understanding. The fighting broke out. It's all on hold right now, but the memorandum of understanding between the government of South Sudan and Purdue University is still there. The whole thing was an absolute miracle of God as to how it happened. God orchestrated the whole thing. I just showed up. I had nothing to do with it. God did all of it. But on the second trip over with Purdue University, they called me and they said, now until we get this thing ironclad, we don't have the finances for this group to go over and it's going to be about $5,000. And I said, okay, uh, what do we do? And I said, well, normally the sponsoring party takes care of that, which was us. And uh, we didn't have the money in the church. We, we didn't have the money. And I said, okay, we'll do it. And, uh, and, <laughs> and that's sort of the, the, I don't know how we're going to do it. <clears throat> how many of you realize that in your own personal finances, there are times you go through a very narrow spot? You go through a very narrow spot. It's in those narrow spots that our faith really grows. We were in a very narrow spot, and I had to tell Pam, and I had to tell the finance committee what I had just made a commitment to. Uh, structurally, corporately, you don't do that unless you talk to the finance committee and you talk to this and talk to that. I've learned that if you wait and do all those kind of things, you're going to miss the moment. Everybody say, don't miss the moment. Whether it's right or wrong from a corporate standpoint, I really don't care, but I told them we are going to do it. Now we need $5,000. Now it doesn't seem like a lot of money compared to what else we've done. But uh, at that time, it was a lot of money. Any amount of money is a great deal if you don't have it. But we didn't have $5,000. Prayed and prayed and prayed and didn't have it. Can I see the hands of all the people you've done a lot of praying you still don't have what you're looking for? Excuse me. Just swallowed part of that cough drop. 
and don't stop praying and don't stop asking. I believe they're synonymous. Prayer and asking is the same thing. A lot of times, oh, God, 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 just tell God what you want. I say, God, I don't know what to do, but I need $5,000. I remember saying that. I don't know what to do, but I need $5,000. This is what I heard in my spirit. Alaska. Alaska. That didn't sound like it even goes together, Alaska. And then I remembered three years earlier, we got a check from a couple I've never met in Alaska. Big check because they heard about what we're doing in the Sudan. Never met these people. It's okay. Is this what I'm supposed to do? Then it started coming out. Once you make a decision, this is what I'm going to follow, it'll all start to flow. Until you make the decision, God's not going to waste his time talking to you. Until you make the decision, he's going to do it, and then he's going to get invested with you. And, and God showed me what to do, and I sent him I sent this uh, text message. I got a text message back immediately. We'll send you the 5000 immediately. Are you, sure that's not, are you sure that's enough? Do you need more? And I said, that's all I need. And they sent back and said, well, if you need more, tell us. We'll send it. And they sent the $5,000 instantly. Philippians 419. God's got a lot of money. Let's all stand to our feet. Now, now you say, okay, how does that apply to me? Exactly as it applies to me. What is God showing you to do? And what are you doing? You many times are waiting for God to do something, and God is waiting for you to do something by making the commitment that he's showing you to do. I believe for many of us, God will take us from one place to another. He'll take us from one business to another. He'll take us from one area we're focusing on to another. And if you'll not try to hold on to what you have, the home base, the fat salary that you have. Well, how could I live without this salary? Well, how could I move? How could I do this? Hardest decision in my life, as you read in the book, was go to Tulsa. Go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life. And that's why I say that about faith. I don't think I had faith to believe God for what he said, but I knew what he said, and I wanted to be obedient. Does that make sense? I don't want to do this. That's not faith saying, I don't want to do it. Faith is you're in 100%. So I know what it's like to operate without faith, but operate with obedience. I'm going to do what you said, God, but I don't want to do it. But then when you see the miracle, oh, my goodness, then the faith is there. What are we going to do next, God? What are we going to do next? But every time, it will be beyond your comfort zone. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't let another moment go by. Let this be the night. If you're here and maybe you've strayed away from the things of God, you're like a prodigal child, don't let another moment go by. Settle the issue. And if I've described you tonight, I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. I know that I need Jesus. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. Anyone at all would take just a moment. Father, you know every person here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, how many of you are ready to come out of that area of comfort you've been in and move forward with God? Can I see your hands? You say, that's me. Lift it up high then. Lift it up high. Now, Father, you see all of these hands. Lord, it just takes action on our part and obedience. We may not have the faith to know what to do. We may not have an exact word as far as what we're going to do to release that faith. 
but we do know that we have faith in you. We have faith that you can bring us through. And I pray for every hand that is lifted right now, that in the name of Jesus, you have orchestrated a plan for the rest of their life, a plan that will touch people's lives, a plan that will help people, a plan that will be obedient to you, to follow you in every area of their life. It may not be the Sudan, but it will be somewhere where people will be blessed by their obedience to you to accomplish your will. And we thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Now let's all make this confession. Lord, here am I. Whatever you have for me, I'll be obedient. I may not know how to do it, but I know you do. I know you'll supply all of my needs. I know you want me to move out. Therefore, I yield my life, I yield my heart to accomplish whatever you have. I am your workmanship, and I have been created by you for good works. Do you believe that's true? Let's give the Lord a hand. He's got a great plan ahead for you. Don't miss Gina. She is an exciting little girl, and she's going to have an awesome word for you Sunday. Tell those people around you, God's got a great plan for you.